Come see why Boston Billiard Club and Casino in Nashua is a better place to play. Try your luck at poker, roulette, Spanish 21, and more. Catch all the games on the big screens, shoot pool, and enjoy great food, craft beer, and cocktails. The Poker Room featuring Texas Hold'em offers daily promotions and regular tournaments. This summer, be sure to visit the new beer garden and outdoor bar. Boston Billiard Club and Casino, a better place to play. BostonBilliardClub.com. B-Pod Studios. Now, the show you'll be talking about. That was not me hemming and hawing. In therapy. Socks, socks, stupid socks. Felker and Mass. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5, the Sports Hub. Joe, are you, um, are you happy where Mac is in terms of being comfortable in the pocket, um, having confidence in the guys in front of him at this point? Could you clarify a little more specifically? I mean, do you when you see him drop back and from play to play in the games or in the practices, a little bit different because it's not live. But like, do you think that he's playing calm in the pocket? That he's seeing things through? That he's playing at the proper speed in the pocket? I've seen you know some great examples of this guy hanging in there making really really tough throws. You know, we had some examples last week against the Raiders. You know, you had Chandler Jones on one side, Crosby all at the other, and they're coming at him. You know hell-bent for election trying to get after him. You know, watching this guy stand in there make really good, clean decisions, deliver a good, accurate ball. Yeah, I'm absolutely very pleased with how he's working. I'm not a big guy to take one small clip of something and over-magnify it. You know, I say all the time, look, the NFL is a league of extremes, isn't it? It's, you know, one week, what's the storyline? We've got a week in between each game. In this instance, we have two weeks in between games. So it's what's the storyline that's going to run? You can't chase that. You can't chase narratives. you got to show up every day. We have tape. We watch the tape every day. We have to correct mistakes. We have to build on what we're doing well. And really the focus is always on our players. So right now, getting these guys ready for Miami and the rest of the season, that's our focus. Quarterback coach Joe Judge yesterday with Greg Bedard, obviously. We're all just sort of shaking our head and rolling our eyes. It's like you just can't buy into a guy that communicates like that. You just you just can't. It's, Agree. It's just, can you imagine it, it, listening to him in the quarterback room and no. learning quarterback? I mean, yes, I can. I think it's why there's a little bit of a crisis of confidence among the players. How quickly would you tune him out? I mean, that, that, that whole seconds. answer was just ridiculous. Ten seconds. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm just taking one or two plays, Joe. That's what I'm doing. I'm just taking one or two plays. I haven't been out there every single day since, you know, uh, July 27th and watched this. Like, yeah, I just I'm just picking out a couple. I mean, it's just... You know, you feel for Mac Jones. You you do. And, you know, anybody who says otherwise is just, you know, towing the Patriots line. First of all, his whole delivery sucks. So start with that. He talks a mile a it's minute. It's not a, like you're not talking to a real person. No, he's a, he's a robot. He's just, he's, he's, it's like he, it's like he read the playbook. I mean, the, the coaching playbook, you know what I mean, of how to be a coach and then just recites everything verbatim that was in the book. That's it. Did you say hell-bent for election? Yeah. What does that mean? I, I, I mentioned this yesterday. I meant to look it up. I never heard of it. But me, 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 no, I, I just think it, it comes off as very rigid. And also, when you talk like that, it's like you're trying to answer everything to prevent the other guy from talking. But be that as it may, Greg, what do you see from Mac Jones in the pocket before we go back to the phones? He's been sped up since the middle of camp. And that has gone on in the games. And you're hoping these two weeks can sort of you know settle him down a little bit. Um but it, it's it's not good. I mean, at this time last year, we were um, we were praising Mac Jones. You know, he had unseated. They had released Cam Newton. 
They're going forward with Mac Jones. You thought it was a good decision. You saw it for real on the field. You saw it on the practice field. You said this guy can be a leader. He had those joint practices with the Giants like I talked about. Uh, I think there was another joint practice as well, Eagles. Um, And he did well there. And so you saw it on the field. You said, all right, and that's what the Patriots saw. Okay, this guy can lead our offense. And then a year later, he and the offense have done a complete 180. And that's undeniable. It's a fact. And now the question is, can they put it back together again? It's a great way to look at it, really, because he was he was really good in those Giants practices. And there's no question he sped up. He doesn't trust the line. Okay, let's uh, go uh, to, to these calls, zip through them before we get to the 10-question segment with Bedard. Here's John in the truck. Uh, Jimmy, I jammed up. Can you pop him up on line three, please? John, go ahead for Greg Bedard. Yeah. Hey, Bedard. Um, did I get you right when you said earlier that uh, – Trent Brown ended last season as a dissatisfied player with the organization. No, what I said was um, there were people, there were people uh, around the Patriots who were disappointed the way that Trent Brown finished last season. Okay, so uh, the guy did come in to camp supposedly in the best shape of his career. He supposedly dropped twenty pounds. And didn't he just sign a, a new contract like two months ago? And he seemed John, very what's happy your point? from all the interviews that I've read. So my so point give me your... is, I think Trent, Trent Brown is going to be an all-pro this year, okay? And he may be a little disgruntled with what the game plan is right now, but he's going to protect Mac Jones the way he protected Tom Brady in 2018, and that's about as good as you can get for a left tackle. And I'm not worried about him or any of the veterans on the offensive line. They'll get whatever hey, needs to be gotten, and it's hey, not going to be a worry. Hey, John, uh, let me ask you this. I'm was, was, he, was he benched for the Panthers game? Uh, you're just making it up. That's what he's saying. No, I, that's, I'm, I'm going to answer for him. You guys are just making it up. Yeah. Boy, what a uh, hard okay. the, here, here, here are some more facts. He was benched for the play, Panthers game. He was called out in a team meeting for not hustling during practice, and, and then bench for the game. And even Mike Reese wrote it, that the, the message being sent to Trent Brown and Kendrick Bourne, who were also benched for that, for that game, was you're not practicing hard enough. So if you think things are all hunky-dory with Trent Brown, how does that happen? Why does he need a weight clause in yep. his contract, which is, the most, uh, which is the thing most responsible for him being in the quote-unquote best shape of his life? He has a monetary stake in it, a big one. Trent Brown also told Mike Giardi he wasn't informed that he was going to be playing left tackle when he signed his contract prior to this year. And that's all that Mike Giardi put in his tweet. But what that tells you is that Trent Brown was talking to Mike Giardi about his contract situation. Right. So, uh, again, those those are the facts. I mean, he also he feels like the team pulled a fast one on him. Dan in uh, uh, Boxborough. Go ahead, Dan in Boxborough. Hey, guys. So, Felger, I think it was about two years ago or ever since Brady left, you said really – he has track record. He hates quarterbacks. And I don't think you took it far enough. It's clear. This guy hates offense. I think he just wants to go do shells in defense all the time. Talk, te- talk about technique. He hates offense. It's clear. And can we, get, can we stop playing Joe Judge and Matt Patricia cuts? Just, play, just pick a cut. It's all the same answer. It's always the same answer. Just a bunch of words. When he has an interview in the paper, just put words. That's all he's doing. It's a word salad. And the other guy, good God, can the bubble stop, please? This team's going to suck. Okay, the thing about hating, he doesn't hate it. But I do think, I said this yesterday, I think this is all born out of an arrogance where he's been a lifelong defensive coach and he looks on the other side of the ball and says, you guys aren't as smart as you think you are. 
You all think you're a bunch of mad scientists with your formulas and your patterns and your you know route trees and all the you know your mad scientist stuff. It's really not that complicated. It's really not, and and it ties into his psychology about the quarterback. Like it's not as important as you guys think it is. We can win with any one of fifteen quarterbacks. We don't need the absolute best because it's not all about that. And you and your fancy formulas. It's really not that complicated. Also, you know, I can do it. No problem. And I think he's vastly overestimating how complicated. Maybe that was the way in 1985. You know, maybe that was the way when he coached for Ted Mac- Macchio Broda in 1976. It's not that way right now. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, he won with Hostetler. The Giants did exactly. And, and you know, but I do. He's at least completely out of step with the rest of the NFL. I don't want to say he's out of touch or the games passed him by, but Belichick does believe these things about offensive football. And they seem dated. You know, maybe he's a little bit jealous that all the offensive coaches get get all the jobs now. You know, and, and the, you know they're the ones. The offenses, the great offenses, are the ones that go further in the NFL now. And that they're it's very hard to be a great defense anymore. And he's sort of trying to fight against that. But it's Belichick, and then there's the other 31 teams, and we'll see who's right. Uh, I don't think it's Bill this time. Joe and Lincoln, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, this is actually about Belichick, so back to savaging him again. Him hiring his son. He's not the owner of the team. You can see the owner of the team hiring his son. But I'm curious what Greg thinks. Is there any real reason why the general manager hires his sons rather than go out and do a real good personnel search and hire the best people possible? Well, I mean, I think, you know, the reason Bill did it and has done it initially is that, you know, he wants to be closer with his sons. You know, I mean, I think he looks at um, like the situation that Andy Reid has had with his sons. And I think Bill's just trying to keep them as close as possible. And it's, you know, the Patriots, they're on Nantucket, you know, they have their compound, whatever. And like, I understand it from that perspective. Like I get it. And he's earned the right to do that. Now, has he completely earned the right for his son to be defensive coordinator of this team? You know, I think that's a question that that needs to be asked. I mean, I know Steve's smart. I know Steve has, you know, put in his dues here. I would have liked to have seen, like, Kyle Shanahan purposely left his father for a long time to prove his, where. you know, he was in Houston. It was yeah. with Kubiak, but, you know, and he, and he went to different places. So did Brian Schottenheimer. Yeah. Who and, sucked, but, you know, again, it wasn't just, he just had coached for his dad his entire career. Right. And so, you know, you wonder a little bit about that, but I think Bill had the best intentions. It's just, you know, it, uh, slight difference between having your kid like Brian's on staff as the secondary coach or safeties coach or whatever it is. And then, you know, Steve is the de facto defensive coordinator and, you know, sort of the message that sends to, to so, other people. Look, it, there's so much nepotism across the league. There's just yeah. so so many coaches' kids in the league with their dads or not. It's just, so it's... You're hardly the only team, but I, I can't fathom that there's another team that has as many sort of personal connections as Bill has. I mean, Matt Groh's kid is the GM. You know, like there's just things like that. Mick Lombardi was your receivers coach or quarterback coach last year. Like there's just so many of those, and they're just sprinkled all over the organization. I, I can't believe there's another team that does it to the grotesque level that Bill does it. I mean, it's hard to imagine that there is. Most staffs have someone's kid on it. If you're an old coach, it just feels like, it just feels like that's everywhere. But the the amount of not just kids, but friends' kids, I don't tell me there's another team that's done it like here. I mean, his staff historically to me has always been so insular. 
that the whole thing. I've never liked the idea that he wouldn't look out of the organization for staff uh, help on his staff. Real quick, Jim and Palmer on Gunnar Olszewski. Go ahead, Jim. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, go quickly, please. Yeah, listen, uh, the, uh, uh, Berdad was saying that uh, they don't know what happened to Gunnar Olszewski. I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. He played the whole night the other night for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Looked outstanding. Uh, I'm uh, I'm fascinated uh, that that this guy Berdad doesn't know that. But I'm pretty sure it was the so same I guy. The they didn't know where he ended up. Thank yeah, you. And if he's playing the whole game for the Steelers in a preseason game, that's not a great thing. Yeah, I mean, really? We're talking about Gunnar Olszewski? Well, listen, Are you listen. We've infected Greg. Okay, He's gotten dumber since Good he's Lord. working more with us. That's not his fault. But here's the point about Gunnar Olszewski. Bill's obsession with the kicking game to the point where we're going to have another, you know, Jumanji you know, kind of guy like this tweener, 25-year-old rookie Rudy character with the long hair running down the field on kicks, and now you have three exclusive special teams players. Matthew Slater, this jabroni, and who's the Cody other guy? Davis. I don't even care who they are. Some guy named Cody Davis. They could have seven this year. Who's they could have a fourth. If Justin Bethel comes back with one of these practice squad, they could have four. So, listen, the kicking game's never been less important. Never been less important, and I just said there's got to be stats out here. Someone just texted me, and I'm sorry. I For the first time in six years, I got a new phone, and not all the contacts. So you don't know who it is. So I don't know who it is. Okay, so whoever this was. Oh, we're going to quote him anyway. I'm quoting you. <laughs> okay, it was a 508 area code. The contact didn't go through. It's so. Listen, in the last four years, on average, there have been less than 30 kick returns per team a season. Less than 30. Less than two a game. It hasn't been under 30 kick returns on average since 1982. You know what happened in 1982? Strike year, it was only nine games. Oh. And less than 40 punt returns on average per team per year the last eight years. Also the lowest since 1982. So in my mind's eye, it's correct. In my mind's eye... There's never been fewer returns. There's never been fewer dangerous returners. It just feels less and less a part of the game by the week, by the year. No, I've been not here, Felga. And yet Bill keeps stuffing his roster with these kids who just run down the field and stand next to the fair catch. Yeah, you know why, Felga? Why? Because he's playing chess. And oh, my God. It's br- it, another example of how the game's passed him by. It's another example. Ten questions with Greg right after this. The most popular afternoon radio show in Boston. Back in your face, suck it! Felger and Mass, 98.5, the sports hub. You want the answer? You've got to ask the question. You have an opinion based on if you had to go with your gut, what, which way it would go. Uh, Sometimes you have to ask it over and over and over again. Why, 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 why? This is 10 Questions with Greg Bedard and Felger and Mass on 98.5, the sports hub. All right, 10 questions around the league in uh, nine minutes. we got to be really quick. Jimmy, what are our buzzers uh, this week? Boomer. Haven't been to one of these. We're graced. We're graced. You're looking good. Uh, Bill uh, getting all excited that uh, Chris Berman was in the press conference yesterday. Next. Uh, now that the settlement has uh, been um, uh, settled on, uh, so it will. Good. Yeah, good job, McBone. Next. He got porked. He got porked big time. <laughs> Speaks for itself. I don't remember who I was talking about. Could have been anybody. Oh, yeah, right. That's what it was. Next. 
The Nets wanted more. Do you believe that? Yes. I don't. I do. I don't. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect argument. My own personal preseason. Don't really care. Bill, we haven't lost faith. <laughs> Sorry, Murray. Uh, hit it. Let's go. He got porked. He got porked. Big time. <laughs> Assess how the 49ers have handled the quarterback situation on their team, Greg. Sorry. Uh, They're asking for trouble. I mean, they're. I think they were definitely afraid of Jimmy going to the Seahawks. And I think that's why they kept holding on to him, holding on to him. They were like, are we gonna really going to do this? Are we going to hand Seattle a quarterback who's who's been in that system? It's the same Shanahan system. And I think at the end of the day, they said, look, we'll pay you more than Seattle can pay you. And I think they renegotiated. I think they butchered it. They butchered it all the way around. I mean, horribly handled. They got nothing for the guy. They ended up paying him money to be the backup. I think they, they, they just completely butchered the whole thing. Who handled Garoppolo, the, the end of Garoppolo or the transaction, <laughs> the Patriots or the 49ers? Well, you guys can debate that. Maybe, San Francisco handled it better. Maybe there's a common denominator there. You know, maybe he's part of the issue, too, which leads to the next one. Go ahead. Uh, now that the settlement has uh, been um, uh, settled on, uh, so it will <laughs> professional broadcasting there. How do you feel how Garoppolo has handled himself in this situation? I mean, he hasn't said anything, so I guess he's handled it well. I think he handled it brilliantly. He got paid everywhere he went. And he's guy's hand- made a fortune. He's handled it like a jackass. And I don't know whose decision it was to separate him from the team during training camp, but I don't know why they would have done that. Like, what? Just hold your water. Play it out. Rep with the team. Practice with the team. Well, that was them, though, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't know if it was, I mean, in conjunction with him or then this is why. Like, now it's two straight exits where it's all messed up. So how much of this is on Garoppolo? Does he think he's the cat's ass or something? Like, you know, there was a report that after he signed the big extension in San Francisco, he went AWOL. He didn't call any coaches. He didn't show up. He just sort of, like, did it. Maybe there's a problem with this guy. Yeah, that one was on him for sure. Well, so, like, this, I'm just sort of wondering. Like, he's playing into this. He should have been in camp and because uh, there's nothing to lose. Let it play out. And, frankly, I don't know how badly the Niners have handled it. If Trey Lance is really good... Garoppolo is a great backup. That's a good backup quarterback. And if Trey Lance hits, he hits. And I think they've handled it well because their owner's willing to spend. So I don't think the Niners have handled it poorly, except this last training camp. Garoppolo should have been in camp. Next. Boomer. Haven't been to one of these in a couple of years. You're graced. You're graced. You're looking good. This is more evidence that the game's passed Bill by. He still thinks Chris Berman's cool. This is yet another example of what I'm talking about with Bill. Anyway, of all the conspiracy theories over why Tom Brady missed those 11 days, what is your leader in the clubhouse, Greg? Marital strife with Giselle. Maz? Oh, I think uh, there was, uh, I don't know if this is out there or not. I'll go plastic surgery. Just guess. Just guess. Uh, That he adopted uh, some kid from overseas. Okay. Uh, Mine is plastic surgery. And I guarantee you, he has had major work. Definitely. I texted you this the other day. Look at his forehead. I didn't get the text. Oh, I emailed it then. I've been switching phones like I'm all I'm all a mess. Listen, oh, listen. I to do it on the listen, show yesterday. Listen. Look if you at can, him. If you can zoom in just a little bit. And the wood, uh, well, uh, my, my sources in the plastic uh, surgery, uh, they, they, any uh, the, the woman I got you, you know our people. age, yeah, you know, know what people do. Uh, so I don't know if he did it in these 11 days, but he definitely did it. And here's a telltale. His chin. A lot of these Hollywood actors, and it's the males mostly, when they get older, they do this jaw-chin thing 
that squares off the jaw yeah. and the chin. And this is categorically textbook. Textbook. And look at a lot of older actors like Rob Lowe. Like there, there, there's others. You can see it. If this thing, this construction, this square jaw construction is a, a little piece of face work that a lot of older male actors get. And Brady clearly did it. Never mind all the fillers up here and all the stuff that he's done in the hair plug, whatever. Like Botox. Major, major face work. And I'm telling you, I don't know if he did this during the 11 days or in the offseason, but the dude's only 45, and he's already obsessing over his faith. He's going to be like the cat lady before you know it. He's going to be like one of these weird housewives of Long Island or whatever because he's already getting goofy at 45 years old. Trust me, he's going to look really freaking weird not too long and not too long. I remember the line I put in the email. He's like Michael Jackson now is what he is. It looks like someone ironed his forehead. I didn't think. I thought he looked bad the other day. He I does. thought he had wrinkles in his forehead too. He looked to me. He looked like he had spent a couple weeks trying to fix something at home. The chin's like the giveaway. He was beaten down. Chin That's is the I giveaway. Thought. All right, next. He got porked. He got porked big time. Sony Michelle was cut uh, yesterday by the Dolphins. Please grade that draft pick by the Pats now. Five years, four years later. F. The players they passed on was ridiculous. It's an F. If you say anything about the Super Bowl, you're just wrong. You're a complete bobo. They didn't need Sony Michelle to win that Super Bowl. They needed a running back who could find the hole behind a great offensive line. Stop making about Sony Michelle to try to bail Belichick out. It was a terrible pick at the time. It's been looked even worse now. He's never been good from his first day in OTAs to now. He, he's not a first-round running back they passed on way too many good players do you hear that jones do you hear that jones in your oh, little comfortable hut there yeah do you hear I, uh, it okay now I, I, right, I, I, shut I, up never mind I I super, bowl. super bowl bedard b never mind go ahead uh i would just like to ask a question i don't know how long craig bedard has been on this program but after that answer for the first time i want to go over and tongue him <laughs> I I agree one hundred percent. Do we have the audio? F. It's F a, F F. It's a D minus. It's not an F. It's but an F. He, just another guy. Next, my own personal preseason. Don't really care. Bill, we haven't lost faith. I'm sorry. Name the most stunning, notable cuts of Bill Be- on cut down day. Name the most stunning or notable cuts Bill Belichick has made in his 22 years here. And you may include trades at the yeah. end of camp that serve the same function. What were some of his best, most notable moves on this day? Well, Malloy, of course, that was just stunning. And then to go to Buffalo, he signs with Buffalo, or you traded him to Buffalo, I forget. And, and to get waxed like that, and it, and it worked out. And then the Mankins one. That was absolutely you know stunning at the time. And it worked out. I mean, those are the two that I wrote down. Malloy and Mankin. Oh, the best one was last year. Cam Newton. You know, who would have thought? You, you didn't even know that Mac Jones was going to be the starter, never mind. But no, and, it, and that, that was actually a really good call. Like, that was clear the decks, get this guy out of here, you know, uh, and no one sort of had that in their mind. That was a good one last year with Cam Newton. Next. Uh, now that the settlement has uh, been um, uh, settled on, uh, so it will... <laughs> Who was the Patriots' biggest tool bag question? Who was the Patriots' biggest tool bag through training camp and the preseason? Paul Perillo. <laughs> I love that. I don't get it. Why? Expand. Why? I, I couldn't pick a Patriot. I mean, I covered the team, so I just, you know, picked on Paul. But you've, been not, you've done nothing but bash them for the last month. Now you don't want to pick a tool bag? That's a little bit different. That's a, 
additional a per, a, a step. That's person, a little personal. That's, that's a, a personal attack. That's a personal insult. Okay, fine. Greg's sitting out. Let's dive right in, shall Kendrick we? Bourne. Kendrick Bourne. I mean, the whole thing. <laughs> Kendrick ahead. Bourne with the fight and the knee pad and the whole attitude and the vibe. Like, I've been really disappointed there. And I, I don't know what the issue is with him and Bill and whatever. And I don't doubt that the Patriots have some hand in it. But Kendrick Bourne has been a pill. Jones, you want to fill in for Bedard on this one? Who's been the biggest Patriot tool bag of training camp? Yeah, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is the biggest tool bag of this training camp. Because look at the disaster on this team's hands. It's Bill. Okay, we, we've stuffed Jones literally in a closet Jones, down the hall. Jones from the pit. Because we can't fit four people in the studio. It's like a gladiatorial pit. So good. Uh, Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, come on. There are no, uh, there are no other candidates. Next. Boomer. Haven't been to one of these you're graced. Okay, so you're looking good. All right, uh, Greg, what position would you play if you still played football? Did you play in high school? What was your position in high school? And if you made it to the NFL, what would you project as in the NFL? I played a little bit in Florida before we moved up here uh, to Lincoln Sudbury. I played so tight end. High school? Yeah, freshman year in high school and, you know, some of eighth grade. Tight end. And uh, I was pretty good. I got good hands. And what would you be if you played football now? Right now? Yes. Waterboy? Project yourself. I, why wouldn't I be a tight end? Go ahead, Mass. I did not play, no, uh, but I would have been a slot receiver or a corner. And that's, Are you quick? Yeah. Back then, I could really scoot. Yeah, and I'm shifty. You'd be a corner. Yeah, I didn't say... Uh, I, I, You'd be a corner. I, I didn't say number one corner. No, no, but corner. Yeah, corner. Name me the same size as Marcus Jones. The last Caucasian corner in the NFL. Yeah, thank you. Jason Seahorn, 20 20 years ago. I don't think they'd give you a shot. Oh, no, no, no. I was a great technique, though. Okay, so uh, I was a tight end. Boom, right there. Thank you, Vin. Way to go. Pull that up. That's freshman year right there. Tight end. I was your classic slow plotting Caucasian tight end. Dave Casper. Remember Paul Kaufman on the Packers back in the uh, early 80s? Like, I was that guy. Okay, caught everything, but couldn't get open. Uh, coach said if uh, you had another uh, gear, it'd be reverse. So whatever, th- that was me. But you know what I'd be now? And I could do it. Punter. No, we all could do it. Long, Long snapper. snapper. Long snapper. Uh, back in my day, you had to block as a long snapper. Now, no one can line up over you. So you get a free snap, as we've just discussed no one returns kicks anymore. There's never been fewer punt returns. So it's not like you got to go down and tackle anyone. So no one can line up over you. No one can hit you. And you don't have to hit anybody else. It's become easier than the punter. I don't think I could do it. And actually, long time is pretty easy. It's just like throwing the football. You just reverse it underneath. And it's just the same grip. And it's the same sort of motion. It's just from underneath. You could do it. Anyone could do it. Long snapper. We would all be long snappers. I'm telling you. Uh, we're running late. Let's do this. Let's go to the conjugal hut and get the quick update from Adam Jones, and we'll, follow, and we'll finish up the 10 questions right after. Quick. What do you want to talk about? Mike and Framingham. What? Felger and Mass. Hey, I, I love your show. I don't agree with anything you guys ever say, though. More Felger and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Up. All right, wrapping up 10 questions as we went long. Uh, the first segment. Hit it, Jimmy. Boomer. Haven't been to one of these you're graced. Okay, so you're looking good. That was Bill Belichick applauding Chris Berman going into the press conference yesterday. Here's the question. If you could applaud any one media member attending a press conference, who would it be? An NFL media member. 
no, not UMass. Uh, I didn't like any of these questions. But I went with Greg Cosell from NFL Films because I think he's the best, and I learn a lot every time I talk with him. So you would applaud Greg Hell Cosell? Yeah. He knows what he's talking about. Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell. I thought I loved Howard Cosell as a kid. You guys surprised me. Why? <laughs> Mine is Susie Colbert, okay? Because I respect Susie and how she's kept herself together, and I think she's a, you know. Oh, I know what you thought. So I, I thought you say. were going to go Jane Slater, uh, you oh, know. Yeah, no, 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 no. Melissa <laughs> Stark. Melissa Stark. Melissa like, Stark. I thought for sure, man. I was, uh, <laughs> Can I plot her now? I was setting you up. Like, come on. Dirty <laughs> Maserati. All right, Jones, who would you applaud? Who's the one uh, media member you would applaud? Oh, I went with Grant hey. Cohen, who covers the Niners. He he has players like wanting to fight him every week, so I want to applaud him. <laughs> <laughs> Next, Jimmy, hit it. Uh, now that the settlement has uh, been um, uh, settled. settled on, uh, so, will... <laughs> so Greg doesn't like these questions. I liked them. Along these lines, who is your favorite NFL announcer or media member of all time? If Bill Belichick likes... You know, Chris Berman, who's your number one of all time, Greg? Late great Will McDonough. I mean, I was a, it was an honor to write in this spot in the, in the Boston Sunday Globe, and uh, he was a guy I read all through my childhood and somebody who I aspired to be. The autumn wind is a raider. John Facenda. How, how do you not love those? Those are the greatest things ever. I mean, still are. John Facenda's voice to me was like, it defines the NFL. I went Howard Cosell one. Tell it like it is. And Will McDonough, too. Uh, that, that was my list. Uh, are you, Jones, do you care? Do you, do you have anyone that you liked? Yeah, well, I actually am doing the job today, and I, so I'm answering all these questions. I, I like Joe Buck. Joe Buck would be my answer. I, uh, I like how he drives certain fans nuts, and I like Joe Buck. Okay, last one. Jimmy, hit it. The Nets wanted more. Do you believe that? Yes. I don't. I do. I don't. <laughs> Who is your least favorite NFL media member or broadcaster of all, all time? I didn't go with a specific person. I went with more general. Uh, younger journalists who think about Twitter reaction before they do anything. That's sort of, and I think it's just, it's, it's been a big problem in today's media. Meaning, they're afraid of the, they're, they're afraid to talk honestly. They're afraid to be honest. I mean, look, some of us back then when, you know, when we wrote for newspapers, like we would hear from, you know, some old guy like a week later in a handwritten note. So yeah. we didn't have to worry about it. Now it's, you know, you say something, you know, like me, I came out the first day in pads and said, it's an adject disaster. And I know I'm going to get blowback, but, you know, I've learned, and I certainly wasn't like this the whole time, but I've learned, you know, you have to ignore that and you have to do the job. And I think it's the the younger journalists, I think they, they think about Twitter first before they write the truth. Dan Deerdorf. Every time he showed up on the screen, I wanted to punch him in the face. Every single time. Just something about the look, the scrunched up face and the delivery, and I couldn't stand him. There have been a lot of bad broadcasters, and there's a lot to choose from. But your least favorite has to be someone that you know was on for a while and you had to put up with, like Deerdorf. That's a good one. Mine is Joe Theismann. Oh, good one. You know the freaking Captain Obvious commercials? Yeah. Like, that's who that... Joel Theismann, no one in the history of broadcasting ever talked more or said less than Joel Theismann. He freaking sucked, and he couldn't shut his mouth. He was the worst of all time, and he had a pretty long run. He was on all sorts of stuff for a lie to put up with him for years, and Joel Theismann, the worst. Before you go on, can I jump back to one second? Because when he said Joe Buck, you know who was great? Jack, Jack Buck. 
Yeah. Jack Buck in that call of Montana to Taylor in the Super Bowl is one of the great calls of all time. Jones, who is your least favorite broadcaster of all time? Dead last. He is currently on the air right now. He never shuts up. Tony Romo, worse. <laughs> well, he's gone. I mean, when he first broke, yeah. when he first broke, he brought value to the broadcast. He was really good. He really did. It's weird what has happened to Tony. Now he's like a sideshow. Uh, but either way, okay, thus concludes 10 questions, extended version. We'll do our long commercial-free segment next. We'll clear the uh, calls that want to talk to Greg and get his thoughts heading into next week. And it's roster cut down. we got T-minus about uh, 15 minutes until they have to get down to 53. So we'll have that news as well. Don't go anywhere. My own personal preseason. Don't really care. Bill, we haven't lost faith. Paramedics do the incredible. They help save lives. And so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that may give your kid's music teacher the chance to see your son play in the season opener or give your mechanic the chance to give his best man speech. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and receive up to $1,000 your first month. Varies by location and is subject to change. Show in Boston. Some sort of prid quo quo there. Felger. Like, well, but, so, uh, excuse me. And Mass. Excuse me. 98.5, the Sports Hub. Yeah, I would argue all the install we're doing off of with some of the things you're referencing are off of old tape from New England. So as you look through some of the outside zone stuff, you know, you can pull up the install tapes, go back to 2000. You know, 12, 2013, even go, you know, older back when it's Billy Yates in there blocking himself. So, you know, this organization's always done whatever it takes to be successful with the players we have in it. Uh, it's coach's vision. Our job is to coach it uh, with as much enthusiasm and energy as we can. And, uh, and our job is go out there and do what the head coach wants to do. And I don't think there's anything that we do in this organization that's outside the realm of helping our players, if that makes sense. So whatever that may be. That was that uh, Matt, uh, excuse me, Matt Patricia, I get confused. Joe Judge comment that you were referencing earlier, Greg, about it. Just another year with another set of small adjustments. We did this back in Billy Yates' day when he was playing, blah, blah, blah. What, what was your thought on that again? My thought was that, um, you know, when they did that, that was to add an element to the offense. And they taught it correctly because the Patriots have run. They've, they've run outside zone stuff they did not when they did it they didn't make a whole departure on this is what we're going to do and change the communication and change this and then not have coaches who knew how to coach it okay so what do you think we're going to see just to, again before i get to the calls what do you think we're going to see here heading into the next week and into miami i think that the i think that the patriots are going to scale things back i mean i think they're going to spend two weeks after this week it seems like they're doing you know trying to develop guys. Then they'll make the decisions. But I think ultimately the decision they'll have to make is they'll have to go back to what they know, what they can rep. I don't think Bill's going to put it out there on stuff that they that they haven't repped a lot in practice. But the thing is, it's like that might be fine for the Dolphins game or even the start of the Dolphins game. But like, you know, once you get to week two, I think they can get prepared enough to be competitive against the Dolphins. But um, you're worried about when the script runs out and also once they get to week two and they have to deal with other things. And one thing I brought up to you guys off air, um, the start that they have to the season, you know, where they are offensively, it's basically a nightmare scenario for them. I mean, the Dolphins have Josh Boyer, who knows them well. Their defensive front 
is terrific and they're tough to block. They have great secondary. The Steelers are tremendous on defense. Who knows what they'll have on offense? Baltimore, they have all their guys back, you know, um, for the most part in the secondary. They're going to be good on defense. And then the Packers are really good on defense. I mean, if you, if you are a, an offense that's unsure of yourself, especially up front with the offensive line, these are probably four of the worst teams that you could go against. Okay, let's zip you should the, be worried about that. It's a bad matchup for the first month. Zip through these calls before we let Greg go. Mary in Manchester. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. Hi, guys. So before I get to my take, Mike, I just want to say that I think there's something wrong with Brady's face, too. And I don't know what he, what he did to it, but it doesn't look right. But back to Belichick. Um, I'm going to piggyback off another caller because I, too, agree with what you said yesterday. I, I don't think that Bill Belichick really cares that much about the position of offensive coordinator any more than he really cares about the position of quarterback. But I do think that he cares about competency. And as my, as I understand it, I mean, Joe judge was sort of a bubbling idiot in New York and Mike Patricia was booted out of Detroit and he was a defensive guy when he was here. So my question is what evidence did Bill Belichick have to, to give him the confidence to think that a, that these two men could coach these players and that B the players would actually respond to them. I, I understand that he likes working with people that he trusts and that were in the system, but to believe that the players were going to respond to them, I think that's a total disconnect. Totally. Uh, and Matt Patricia, he, I, he underestimated how, and he's underestimating as we speak, how hard and complex these offenses are and how schooled you have to be in coaching offense and calling plays. It's much more difficult and complicated than he gives it credit for. And he totally uh, underestimated the impact it would have on his players. Yes. Putting these new coaches in place there. Yeah, so Greg, we touched on this yesterday. To me, it's like it's the part he whiffed on the most is that a a player has to be able to look at a coach and say, I believe in this guy. That he's an expert. That he's going to tell me something that I don't know. So you call it credibility, buy-in, call it whatever you want. But you had the guy's got to deliver the message, and you have to look at him and go, I'm going to listen to this guy. He knows what he's doing. Neither one of these guys has that. I think he completely whiffed on that single thing more than anything else. Yeah, and I, I, I don't. I'm not sure how much he really considered it. I think the primary thing for Bill, you know, when McDaniel's left, I think uh, to me, McDaniel's was one of the last people in the building who would actually push back against Bill on certain things, and I think it was more about Bill making things easier on himself that you know whether it was the job day-to-day operations he wanted more oversight basically mcdaniels ran the offense you know bill wanted more control and i think the 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 bigger thing was control and people will just say yes bill and not make his life difficult right part of our 10 questions i asked you for a final sony michelle draft grade on the patriots bedard was f (laughs) maz was f i was d minus dan and foxborough your thoughts all right, guys. What do we? I didn't. Admittedly, I didn't hear the reasoning behind this, but my buddy texted me. So, if Sony Michelle is an F and a D minus, what were the other guys? Z's in the past four years. Sony Michelle in 2018 playoff run, 350 yards, six oh, touchdowns during that playoff run. Tom Brady stats: two touchdowns, three interceptions. Finally, Sony Michelle last year, weeks 13 to 18, 550 rushing yards for the Super Bowl champs. Granted, he didn't play in the Super Bowl, but there's been far, far way more bust in the NFL draft than Sony Michelle. Give me- okay, let me stop you there. Your rebuttal, Greg? My rebuttal is 
you could have put Tony Maz at running back Agreed. for that Patriots team, and they would have done the exact same thing. Stop making it about Sony Michelle. It was the offensive line. They were awesome at the end of the year. The reason that they started they, after the Pittsburgh loss, they tilted to the running game and took the passing game away from Brady, the offense away from Brady, was because the offensive line was so good and, and just opened up holes all over the place. It was the offensive line. Stop getting it confused. It was not about the running back. Uh, we also had a who was your worst NFL commentator of all time? Uh, Maz had Deerdorf. I had uh, Theisman. Joe Theismann. Adam Jones had Tony Romo. Uh, Jim and Lowell. Go ahead, Jim. Good, sweet. Um, thanks for taking my call, guys. Worst commentator in sports history. Give an aspirin a headache. That'd be Chris Collinsworth. Thanks. Oh, he's the best. He's the best. I like Collinsworth. He's the best in the business right now. Yeah, I think he's good. Man. I think he's been muted. I think I don't get nearly as much critical analysis from him as I used to. I think back when he had his fastball, and I don't know when you know, exactly you would say that that was five years ago, five to ten years ago. I thought he was far more acerbic, far more critical. Uh, now I think he's he pulls back a little bit, and I don't know why. But I think he's I think when he has his fastball, he's the best. So I disagree with you a thousand percent. No, Collinsworth does a good job. Yeah. By one more thing on the Sony Michelle thing, they didn't even get the right running back from Georgia. Thank you. Nick Chubb went after. If they had Nick, Ch- Nick Chubb would still be here, be starting running back. By the way, when everybody talks about Sony Michelle and what he did that year down the stretch, what run do you remember most? I don't remember one of them. There was one breakaway run at the end of the regular season that he had. That he, he got went, caught from behind on. Got all horny up, got horned up for. It's like a 40-yarder and he got caught from behind. He was just a guy. But that was regular season. In the playoffs, name me one run that you remember. I can't. He, if, his skill set, You could, there are about, you know, I, I'm going to pull up a number, 100 college running backs who could do what he does. It's just I'm just another guy. He had no plus trait. He had no plus ability. He didn't have plus speed, didn't have plus power, didn't have plus shake and bake. There was nothing play. It was you could have drafted that kid in the sixth round, fourth round, could have drafted him anywhere. Could have been undrafted out of the uh, all the Alliance of American Football. You could have drafted that guy anywhere. In fact, I would go so far as to say both first round picks in that draft sucked. Which describes most running backs, by the way. Uh, Joe in New Hampshire, go ahead, Joe. Hey, real quick, guys. Uh, first thing I want to say about Brady is the only thing that's wrong with his face is whatever comes out of the hole below his nose. Now it's cringe. Everything, every time he speaks, it just makes me want to crawl in a hole and die. And then the second thing I want to bring up is Jonathan Jones tweeted something kind of weird a little while ago. He tweeted that now he knows how Kanye felt when he didn't get invited to the birthday party, which is extremely out of context, I guess. But the other thing, the other thing that is interesting is Trent Brown quote retweeted it and that mike is when you take somebody's tweet and then you write your own opinion above it and he said he just uh did a bunch of fingers crossed emojis and heart emojis which is i don't know sending his thoughts and prayers and i have no idea what's going on but if they cut jonathan jones or anything it just shows i think the tweet the two those two tweets just show that there's some kind of like there's something between the coaching staff and the the okay let me just stop you let me stop you can someone fill me on these tweets Jones in the conjugal hut there? Someone tell me what's going on in these tweets. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I, I got you, you don't have the internet back there, Jones? No, I have the internet, but I just, I'm, I'll, I'll let, let me let me catch up on these tweets for you, Felger, and I'll fill you in. I'll, I'll get Thank to Thank you. Thank yes. you. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I, I, I haven't seen anything from Trent Brown on Twitter either. I have no idea. I, I, I couldn't even begin to tell this you what I was talking This all happened at about 2.41 p.m. today where Trent Brown had the quote tweet that the caller mentioned. 
I have to wonder if somebody's been cut or somebody's going to be cut, and they just can't say it publicly yet. And Jonathan Jones said he feels like Kanye West, who wasn't invited to the birthday party. Can someone translate that for me, please? Is that a Kardashians thing? I don't know. That's why I'm asking uh, you people. That's my, that's my guess. Okay. Well, I, I, you know, I am surprised that there is yet to be a roster day surprise. You know, yeah, the, yeah, right. You know, I mean, there often is. There, 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 there's, there's often a move that is at least a surprise and sometimes sort of earth-shaking. Last year it was Cam Newton on this day. Uh, and often there's there's just a move like that where you go, whoa, you know? And if ever the team was sort of ripe for something like that, like so, they need a wake-up call, it would be this group that's not exactly bought in and is sort of casting about. So we're, we're, we're past 4 o'clock. Have they released the final roster yet? Have they put out their final no, cuts? They won't do that till like 8 o'clock. Huh? Yeah, the Patriots won't send out a release for... Right, hours. but will the news get out before then? Probably. Okay. You know, All right, the so reporters are efforting it. The the very good Patriots beat reporters are efforting. It. All right, so so let's do this. Let's just let's come back and see if any more news trickles in about this, that, or the other, and we'll give you as best as we can the final roster reset. You want to stick around for one, Greg, just to help us sure. through it? Yep. All right. Here's an update from uh, Jones. Anything to keep Jones in the closet for one more segment. <laughs> Jones back in the hut. Uh, that's why he sounds so horrible. We've kicked him out of the studio. We don't have room for him. He'll get you the very latest. No commercials. The share it with a friend deal. Even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 